about music, health, wellness, and activism that will help you to find balance between life as a musician and self-care through health and wellness. I'm your host, Jazzy Piggott, a tuba player, composer, certified personal trainer, writer, and podcaster based in Baltimore, Maryland. So this week on our second interview, I'm interviewing my friend Andre Thacker. We met as master's students in the tuba studio at Michigan State University. Since he graduated in 2020, Andre has started a teaching job as a middle school band director in Hamlet, North Carolina. This is the first full activism episode of the podcast, so I'm excited to be releasing it. Anyone who has been following me through the pandemic knows that I'm very passionate about the value of representation, and this episode covers a lot about it. In this episode, we talk about representation and why it's important, the issues with many diversity, equity, and inclusion pushes, Andre's experiences as a Black musician and educator, Andre's health journey, and the less common intersection of fitness and diversity. So I hope you enjoy the interview. I hate that question, but it's like, you know, it's a question. Because it tells a lot about who you are as a person, what you decide to say about yourself when somebody asks you to tell you more about yourself. Exactly. And, you know, I actually this morning, because <laughs> when I got when I got home last night, I was just exhausted. I got in the shower and just, yeah, I was dead. But then this morning I looked up like how to answer that question. I'm dead serious. I looked up how to answer that question. And it's like, I found this great article. It's like, okay, you present, you talk about what you're doing now, right? And then you move to the past and talk about how you got to the present, right? Your path. And then you talk about the future. Like, what do you plan on doing in the future? And I was like, hmm, that's a really cool way to think about it. Like, I, I actually have some structure to to think about, you know, the question, tell me about yourself, or yeah, the statement, rather. So, yeah. Yeah. So who is Andre uh, Thacker? Okay. That's where we're going to start. So, hi, my name is Andre Thacker. I am the director of bands at Hamlet Middle School. Basically, my job is to inspire kids through band, through music, as well as to help them to become successful, productive role models in society. Um, how did I get here? So my musical journey started in the church. My first mentor, Dr. Clifford Watkins, was a great pianist, a great organist, and he really helped me to kind of get into music. And that's when I really started to play the piano a little bit. That was really my first musical instrument that I played. Uh, But then fast forward to high school, started playing the clarinet, excuse me, in elementary school, actually. I went to private school for one year, played the clarinet. That was a interesting experience went back to public school for two years fourth and fifth grade didn't play the clarinet for those two years but when i got into middle school i picked up the clarinet again still didn't like it switched to saxophone then to trumpet then eventually to tuba and tuba was my main instrument i love it it's great and then played tuba throughout middle school throughout high school ended up 
studying music in uh, undergrad at WCU, Western Carolina University. That was a great experience. Graduated with a music performance degree, even though I, I love teaching, but we'll get into all that and later in the podcast. Took a year off to teach tuba euphonium at North Carolina A&T State University, which is a HBCU in Greensboro, North Carolina, as well as I taught tuba euphonium at the Cary School of Music. And yeah, auditioned for the assistantship at Michigan State for my master's. That's where I met Jazzy and graduated. And now I'm a band director. My plan is to continue to teach as a band director as well as continue to play over the next 20, 30, however many more years I have. So, yeah. All right. Very comprehensive overview. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Hey, you covered Thanks. everything. So, <laughs> uh, what got you into teaching? Oh, man. And many things. So, I feel like band directors have always had a significant impact on my life or just teachers in general, but specifically band directors. You know, my middle school band director, we had a very close relationship. She's now teaching in, in Texas. Uh, my high school band director actually just retired. Great guy. We still talk about every month or so. And then my directors in college, you know, I still have a close relationship with them. You know, band has always been something that that I've, that I've always been passionate about and having just that connection with those directors has had an impact on me. And I think that's a big reason why I, I love teaching and now I am a band director. And um, also I would say it was at Western Carolina, my first, uh, I guess, official teaching experience was teaching the, um, the sousaphone section in the marching band. And that's when I really discovered that, man, I really enjoy this and I'm good at this, you know, so you combined the growing up around directors and them influencing me with, you know, discovering like my love for teaching through teaching the sousaphone section at WCU. That's kind of led me down the path that I'm going down now. So, yeah. Okay. So did you have a black teacher when you were growing up? I had four black female teachers growing up, I believe three, yeah, three in high school, two math teachers, one science teacher, and then science teacher in middle school. Yeah. So four, you, four total. Did you live in a predominantly black area or you just happened to magically get like all the black women? <laughs> um, both Eastern middle and Eastern highs, it was kind of a mixed bag. It's like 50, 50 black, 50 white. Um, so yeah, I guess I would say I looked out because I had a great experience <laughs> learning. From yeah. Them. Yeah. Were they role models for you? Um, not necessarily, but I did have a close relationship with them. Like I've never been like the, the role model type. Um, I remember we were talking one day and you mentioned a personality quiz. Do you remember the name of that? It was uh, not Gretchen Rubin, but it was, maybe it was her. The Four Tendencies or The Love Languages? The Four Tendencies, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, 
I'm very much a questioner. So I've never had one singular role model, even multiple role models, but I've always loved asking interesting questions uh, to people. Um, and that's kind of how I, how I connect, but I've never had like one singular role model person. Okay. For those of you who haven't listened to earlier podcast episodes where I mentioned the four tendencies, Gretchen Rubin has this framework called the four tendencies where it categorizes people by how they respond to inner and outer expectations. So if you're interested in finding out your tendency, I think it is GretchenRubin.com slash quiz where you can go find that out. Why do you think representation is important? Oh man, that, that's a great question. So John, John Hopkins has a ton of great articles about how students learn better from teachers that look like them or share the same culture. And this is something that I've seen <laughs> vividly over the last three weeks that I've been a band director. And I tell you, I connect, I think, well with all of my students for the most part, but especially the black boys that are in band um, I've noticed a significant difference in how they interact with me rather than other teachers, white teachers, white women, white, white men, whatever. And, well, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, in terms of representation, it's definitely needed because what 2% of teachers are black men. That's a very, very small number. And that does a huge disservice to, I think, students of color in general, but especially black boys, you know? Um, so representation is super important. I would love to see more just teachers of color in general, but, but specifically black teachers uh, in the school system, the public school system, because black boys need it, but just black students in general could benefit from it, yeah. So how do you think that we can fix the representation gap? Because I feel it's one of those problems where students don't see themselves in their teachers. So then they don't pursue becoming a teacher because they never saw themselves. And then it's this like never ending cycle where there's a lack of representation because there's a lack of representation. So how can we fix that? I think the first thing is by acknowledging that it is an issue. And I think that that is starting to happen more and more across the country. That's a, that's a very tough question, Jazzy. And I wish I wish I could, man, I don't know if I have a, a really good answer for it. Like, I mean, I do, but it, it's obvious. Just hire more people of, of color, you know. That's all I have to say, hire more people of color. <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 I mean, it's, there are so many, there's so many educated black educators that are looking for opportunities to make a difference in a kid's life that just are not given opportunities because of multiple reasons, but I think the race has a, a big part to do with it. And that needs to change. We're, we're starting to talk about it more, but just hire more people of color 
And I, I don't, I don't, th that's the best thing I can say. Cause th this is such a, such an easy fix to me, you know, and I don't really know how to, to say it and make it, make it sound smart and intelligent, but just, just hire more people of color because clearly, clearly people of color learn better from other teachers of color, you know, black kids learn better learning from other black teachers at least that's been my experience and it's clear that that is the truth well now that makes me think of that conversation that we had when you were visiting a few weeks ago when you brought up mm -hmm. how are we responsible as black educators to work in those predominantly black districts that might like possibly pay us less even though we are qualified because we're trying to be role models or should we work in the white districts where you're showing the white students that yes, black teachers can be teachers. And for the few black students in those districts, you're giving them somebody that they can relate to. Yeah, that, that was a, that was a fun conversation. I think that you could do both. I think that you could take on a position that is at least to you of quality that may pay a certain amount of money while also having an impact with kids that need your help and need your assistance. And like, as my mom says, <laughs> go where you're needed, which that, oh my God, that is so important, um, especially as a black educator. Like I know both me and you know people that have university gigs, whether they're like, they're teaching as an adjunct, they're doing that at a predominantly white school while they're full-time teaching at a school, maybe in the inner city or teaching in a, a school that is predominantly black. So you could do both. Yeah, you, you can do both. You really can. Along with the representation, people always talk about the diversity, equity, and inclusion thing. However, when people talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, there's this, this trend of only for focusing on that diversity aspect and then neglecting the equity and the inclusion. So often, yeah, you get the black people in the school, but then they don't have the systems in place to be successful. So have you felt any sort of like lack of equity and inclusivity being in academia? Could it be better? Or have you had a good experience with that? Overall, like for example, throughout my time at MSU, I felt included. I felt like this, you know, this is a, a good home for me um, by all the, all the teachers, you know, getting a chance to hang out with you and other uh, students of color. When I was at WCU, Western Carolina University, it was a little tough the first couple of years coming in because I was one of like six or seven black kids in the school in the whole entire school of music. So that was tough, but I would say about year three was when Dr. Underwood, who is, she is the director of bands now, when she was hired, it's like the whole culture of the school changed, you know, and fast forward five or six years later, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, WCU now has two black athletic band directors, which is like huge. Um, so I would say at the beginning of my time at WCU, it was a little tough, but about year three, I started to see a difference culturally. Um, as a black educator myself, at my school, I feel 
like my opinion is valued and I feel like I'm making a difference. And I also feel a responsibility as a black educator because I'm part of that, as we talked about before, that 2% club of black educators. So I feel this responsibility to not only give my all to all of my students, but to definitely the students of color that are in my class, that are in my band class. So overall, I feel like an undergrad, <laughs> things kind of got there towards the end. At MSU, I definitely felt included. As an educator, I feel supported, um, but I do feel a strong responsibility to give my best to all of my students, especially students of color. Now, do you think that that responsibility is technically equitable because white students, or sorry, not white students, white teachers don't have that burden of being, you know, I mean, I guess they, everybody technically has a burden of being a role model, but it's not the same, you know, as a white educator, you're not going in with the expectation that you kind of have to lead the diversity role model position for your, your position. You just go in like, I'm teaching my class. That's what I'm supposed to do. So how do you think that 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 level or that that burden is impacting you at all? I don't think it's a negative impact. I know me specifically, I take it as just something that I want to do. You know, like I know as a man, there are different things that I experience that you may not experience or whatever as a woman, like there's, there's just that difference there, you know? Um, but I see it as a way to make a positive difference in the community. I don't see it as a negative thing. I don't see it as extra work. I take pride in doing it. Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do you think your students are also having the equity and the inclusivity necessary to support them in their environment? At Hamlet, yes. Yes. At Hamlet Middle School, I do believe that. You know, Hamlet Middle School, as I said before, it's 40% Black, 40% White. So it's, 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 it's definitely a mixed bag, which I think is, is a really cool thing. So I think that the students interact well with one another because everyone in the town is used to just different cultures and different approaches to different things. So specifically in my school, I think that the students are open to each other and they're open to just the differences in approach and culture, which I think is great. So do you have any notable experiences being a Black educator or a Black student in academia? Yeah, so I think I have a positive and negative experience. When I was part of the all-district band, the Central District Band here in North Carolina, I was called the N-word a couple of times. I was told to go back to Africa. It was a very negative experience, but in that moment, I had to just focus on the concert, focus on just playing in the all district band, which was really a great experience outside of, you know, having to hear those, having to hear those negative, you know, thoughts, um, which I'm sure every person of color in 
classical music has had a kind of a similar situation to that. A positive experience has been just being able to bond with other people of color in undergrad as, as well as my graduate school experience, playing in the marching band. I, I was able to play in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which was a lot of fun. Being able to hang out with and bond with really all students at Michigan State University, but especially students of color. And then just as an educator, just knowing as a Black teacher the impact that I'm having on all of my kids, but especially my kids of color, you know, being a role model, acting professional, you know, I would like to think that I'm a, a decent musician, being able to show them this is what a tuba sounds like, you know, like, so being able to make an impact on those kids, all of my kids, but especially my, my kids of color, I take great pride in that. So I've had negative experiences and positive ex experiences, but all have helped me to grow. And yeah, it's made me who I am. So. Oh. Do you have anything you want to add on diversity and inclusion before we move on to wellness? No. Okay. So I know you're also passionate about exercise and just healthy living in general. So how does that appear in your life? Yeah, so I love to run. And my experience with running started in undergrad. I wanted to lose 15 pounds. You know, as you know, when you first get to college, that freshman 15, freshman 20, 25, 30, however many, you know, however many pounds you gain. Um, yeah, that was me going upstairs and eating all you can eat. Um, so when I first started running in undergrad, I wanted to lose 10, 15 pounds, which I did. Uh, but I put the weight back right back on because I didn't change my diet. And I just stopped running, really. But then when I got to MSU, <laughs> really a light bulb went off because so many of my friends exercise daily every other day, every day. My diet before going to MSU consisted of McDonald's, Bojangles, which is a chicken spot in, in North Carolina, um, or just down south in general, Wendy's, Burger King. That, that was my diet. But my friends, like, that was their cheat day diet. You know, so, like, it was a huge wake-up call for me to, like, wow, I really need to change this. You know, so it was just my environment changed being in MSU. So I started to to run uh, seriously again the summer after my first year at MSU. Started off on the treadmill. I could run like a half a mile, you know, started off slow, but continued to run on the treadmill. Once I got to about two miles on the treadmill, I started to run outside and just, just kept on doing it. And to this day, I've lost 50 pounds, so it's been about two years. I lost about 50, 55 pounds. And now that I've lost the weight, or when I lost the weight, I needed to find something else to motivate me. And then that's when the mental benefits of running kind of took over because it's it really is, at least for me, a way to relax and just to relieve stress. So after 
a long day of teaching, I'll come home, I'll run five or six miles. You know, it just puts me in a, in a different headspace. So yeah, that that's where I am now. I, I love running. Fitness is very important to me. I've learned a lot from listening to your podcast, Jazzy, uh, about wellness, about just being healthy. And yeah. Okay. So one intersection that's, I think, often really not talked about is the intersection of both fitness and diversity and representation there. Because I know when I was losing weight, I guess I wasn't really looking for it. That's probably part of the problem, but I didn't really see many black people working out. Like it was, it's even now it's still very uncommon. And I live in Baltimore. Like the fact that I only see one black runner out of like the 20 runners I see that doesn't, you know, that's not normal. So how does that show up for you? Yeah. Um, so I upload all my runs up to my, onto my story and I was about to stop doing that, but actually, actually, I think we talked about it. We talked about this. My cousin reached out to me and she was like, you know, Andre, I started walking a couple of days ago and I started to incorporate like little runs towards the end of my, towards the end of my walks. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, like you really inspired me just to really to start walking and then just to try to get to the point where I could run. I was like, yes, please. That, that is great. Um, so I think that as a person of color, as a black man, being able to show that, Hey, black men run is sometimes whenever I, whenever I post on Instagram or on Facebook, I'll put hashtag black men run because showing a positive image of a black man caring about fitness, caring about running, being in shape, uh, is super important and can have a positive impact on the community. All right, so with that, let's move on to Roses, Buds, and Thorns. This is a segment we like to do where we talk about one thing that's going great, one thing that is you're looking forward to, and one thing that's not going too well. So usually I start with a thorn because we like to end on a positive note. So Andre, what's your thorn this week? My thorn is that I ate literally everything that I saw over the weekend. Like my diet was just the worst that it's been <laughs> about three or four years. I mean, Wendy's, McDonald's, me and a, me and a couple of friends stopped at this, this chicken spot in Nashville. Um, and it was delicious. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, it was called Rocky's Hot Chicken Shack. And oh my gosh, it was, I got like two, uh, three chicken tenders. With like two pieces of bread, a biscuit, some collard greens, and macaroni and cheese, and oh my god, it was so good. So yeah, my my diet is yeah, I've hit pause on my diet, but this week I'm gonna go back to eating ground turkey, spinach, all that kind of good stuff. So that's okay. Yeah, I mean it happens, right? It was vacation. I feel like vacation nobody really sticks to what their their habits are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I went, oh my God, I went to town this weekend, so. Yeah, but what you do every day matters more than what you do once in a while, so you'll, you'll recover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say my thorn this week, 
I guess it's also food related. I really like Magic Spoon cereal. They don't endorse this podcast, but they are really great. It's keto friendly cereal. It tastes like kids cereal. It's amazing. Super expensive though. But I had a problem with cereal over the summer where I just kept eating it. So I had hid it in the trunk of my car. But then this week I was just like, you know, I can bring this back in the house. I think I can, I can handle it. And I couldn't handle it very well. So yeah. I finished a, a box and a half maybe. So mm. yeah, that's, I would say that's my belief. Mm. Cool. Yeah. What is your bud? I'm looking forward to seeing the, the growth in my students over this semester and really over the whole entire year. Uh, COVID has made things difficult for everyone. We're all in the same boat here. But I'm interested to, to see the growth of my students, not just musically, but just seeing them grow as people over the next year. Yeah. And my bud for this week, oh, there was in the, um, the all-star ensemble that I did last year, there was David Lamate who was playing Euphonium. And he reached out to me the other day and said he lives in Baltimore. So we're going to get lunch. I'm excited to meet him and actually see somebody else in the ensemble other than Andre and Remus who like in person. Okay. So I'm excited to establish that, that connection. Hopefully for the next NERTEC or iTech, we can get the group together and do like a live performance. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I agree. All right. And ending on a positive note, what is the, your rose, the greatest thing that happened this week? So just being able to hang out with my friends in the Western Carolina area, it's been about two years because of COVID. And then just being in Michigan, not being able to, to come down to just hang out with those people. But it was really nice seeing all of my WCU friends hanging out and, and also meeting the two new directors at WCU. So. That's good. All right. And my rose this week, I ran 10 and a half miles this morning, which is incredible because I only started running in January, 2020. So I think it was about a year ago when I ran my first 5k and I thought I was so cool. And now, now here I am. So yeah, I'm excited because I have marathons in two, three weeks. So yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. All right. So thank you so much, Andre, for coming on the show. Where can people find you? Well, I'm on Facebook. Uh, just type in Andre A. Thacker Jr. And then I'm also on Instagram. It's Andre27523. Oh, yeah. Add Why me. that number? I don't know. I don't remember. It's, it's just <laughs> a random, it's a, it's a random number. Okay. I really don't know. It, it has no significance whatsoever. It's just a random All right. number. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> go find Andre, follow him, like his stuff on Facebook, yeah. be a good audience. So thank you so much again for listening to this week of the podcast. Uh, next week, I should be talking about nutrition if I get my act together and record that episode. So please tune into that. 
share with your friends and family, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and continue listening. So take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Harmony and Healing. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Harmony and Healing Podcast. And you can find me personally at The Jazzy Tubist on both Facebook and Instagram. And at my website, jasminepiggit.com. I'll see you next Thursday. If you see some flashing lights in front of me, I'm watching Are We There Yet? Oh, only because, like, the light is, yeah, I'm not actually watching it, but it's like the light so that you can see me because anyway, it's for, <laughs> it's for the visual part of it. I'm not actually watching. Are we there yet? Um, but anyway. Yes, because we need visuals for a podcast recording. You got to be able to see me. That's, I mean, it's, it's for you. I, I'm here for okay. you, Jazzy. It's for you. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. <laughs>